It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Maybe, ma. Anything's possible. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Welcome back. Yes, this is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. I am John Corrales. I am your host. I cover the team for MassLive.com. Thank you for joining me for the first of your five days. Uh, no, wait, this is the second of five days a week, free daily podcasting. Joining me today, also covering the Celtics for MassLive.com, my guy, Tom Westerholm. Tom, how are you feeling today? I am feeling good. I'm watching Marcus Morris just boop Justin Anderson on the head with a basketball, <laughs> like on a loop. And uh, listen, man, we're going to have fun covering this year's team. There's going to be a lot of fun guys to cover, but I don't know that any of them are going to be as much fun as Mook was because, like, he would do something like that or he would pop off in a post-game, uh, post-game scrum just about something that you didn't see coming at all. Or, you know, he was just like a generally genial guy. I, I really liked him, and I am sad to see that we won't be covering him this year. Anyway, that's my, uh, my <laughs> that, intro rant. That was, uh, that was something. From Mook, <laughs> got himself kicked out of a preseason game. Uh, Listen, be- man, he is that's that's some real king stuff. Like he just <laughs> he, he he walked on that court. He got a whole bunch of buckets in the first half. He's like, yep. I'm done with this, and I'm sick of Justin Anderson. And he smacked him in the head with a basketball. Yep. Like yep. that's 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 a king. After nearly trying to rip his face off with an elbow. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what the the post game presser is going to be like. For uh, the Knicks, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we won't get to cover Mook or probably anybody who's going to pop off quite like Mook uh, <laughs> on this team. So we'll have to make other things interesting. Uh, in the meantime, we'll have our own That's stuff true. to talk about. Quick side note. That's yeah. true. Nobody on this team is oh, going to yeah, no. like. There's going to be no. We got no beef. So let okay. So let's talk about this for just a second before yeah. I lay out the rest of the show. Like that's <laughs> that's the downside. Like we sat here and we're all like, okay, we're we're as a group of writers, reporters, we're like, okay, we don't have to navigate this whole Kyrie craziness. Like Kyrie talking for three minutes and then trying to pick out three sentences to try to get the gist of what he was saying. So yeah. people can actually understand what he's reading. Like we don't have to deal with all of this walking on eggshells, blah, blah, blah. The trade-off is we don't get to cover Mook. We don't get to cover somebody that's going to just go nuts and, and pop off to the media. Like Marcus Smart is good for yeah. it once per season. Yeah, like, he's the only option. But no one else. Like who else is going to do it? Uh, there's nobody on this team that that's going to go off and be like, like you can get like genuine comments from like mm-hmm. I, I think Jalen mm-hmm. gives you like, like a genuine 
comment, I think. And then some of these other guys will give you the rookies. Grant, I think, is, is good. Like, these guys aren't going to, like, bullshit us, but you're just not going to get that raw, unfiltered greatness of Mook. <laughs> you're just not. No, you're definitely not. And it's uh, it's a little sad. I almost kind of wonder if they're going to miss that edge a little bit. Like, because... I mean, Smart really is the only guy who's like that that we know of. I mean, maybe like Poiray or something is going to like surprise us and just be like a like a real uh, mean streak dude on the court. But yeah, I kind of wonder if they're going to miss that edge a little bit just because they they did have a couple of guys who were you know who <laughs> weren't afraid to mix it up last year. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's an interesting side note for for this season because they do not have any of those guys. It'd be inter- interesting to see if anybody does step up. And kind of take that role outside of Marcus. It, it really is going to have to be Marcus Smart. Like that's his. Yeah, he's, yeah. that's going to be his role. Um, this team is is really not going to be about edge. Uh, this team is going to succeed by doing all of the stuff that Brad has been preaching throughout the the entire week plus now. Togetherness, ball movement. You know, forget the isolation, work the ball around, all that stuff. Uh, and if they if they start to get pushed around, then then Marcus steps up, and then you know we'll see. Uh, you know you know who might low key kind of be willing to mix it up is Grant. He's he's a goof, but he's strong, and you could see yeah. you could see there's a moment in yesterday's game where uh, I think he disagreed with it was the foul where the ball was out of bounds. You could see like the disagreement with the ref like he there was a little tiny hint of uh competitiveness there that kind of bubbled yeah. over he has it every once in a while so i'm kind of curious if he might locate yeah. the guy i don't even know if it's every once in a while i mean if you if you go back and watch him like obviously he's like a fun loving dude his teammates like him like you know like he, he likes to try to bring people together he's big on all that stuff but i don't even know if it's every once in a while i think he's I think he just kind of has that when he when he plays, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. and, you know, he might he might be smiling on the bench or whatever. But he's no, I mean, he's he's like a really competitive guy. He's not like people shouldn't mistake his goofiness for like not caring, like yeah. or not being not being competitive or not being passionate. Like, I think he's you know, I think he's got that. And it's <laughs> it might look a little incong- like incongruous sometimes just um, because he's, you know, like like because he's smiling all the time but i think that every once in a while we are going to see you know a little bit of that on the court we saw a little bit of it in summer league you know sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes out every once in a while uh well, well why don't you use we use that to transition into the bigs because he's <laughs> one of the bigs and like later on we'll talk uh, i got some words for terry rosier later on in the show <laughs> um and we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into jason tatum in the second segment but this first segment is supposed to be about the bigs uh, because that that was, I think, one of the pardon the pun, not, not really intended. Big stories coming out of last night's game uh, the against Charlotte. What you know, our first chance to get to see exactly how these bigs are going to work. I feel like everybody, we kind of get a sense of like how the wings are going to work. Like nobody's worried yeah. about that. You know, nobody's right. worried about like we're worried a little bit about the bench and maybe some of the lineups, but. You know, I think kind of everybody's like, yeah, Kemba and Tatum and Brown, like Gordon, even like, we're kind of curious to see what he's going to end up being, but like, everybody's kind of cool with that for now. It's Cantor or Rob or Poirier or whatever. Like, so 
I wrote a piece on Mass Live, kind of breaking down a little video breakdown. Which, side note, how great was it to just be breaking down video today? Yeah. <laughs> to have an actual game to rewatch. Watching in the a morning. game and yeah. be like, oh, okay, I see this, I see that. Yep. Uh, so, in this, in this, I started out, and I'll just go through like what I wrote on on Mass Live, starting from the starter, Robert Williams. I've come to a place after thinking about this all day and looking at the video and writing the piece. I am very, very willing to throw this game away for Robert Williams. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I from what Brad said after the game, where he talked about Rob being keyed up and like winded after two minutes. He was so bad in this game, like worse than he was in summer league, maybe a worse than I'd seen him play all last year. His no focus, no real kind of, uh, efforts to do the fundamental things, always out of position for the most part. He made some athletic plays, but I really feel like somehow he psyched himself out and. Mm-hmm. I think this game is um, – if he goes out and has a decent game against Orlando and does some things well, I'm perfectly willing to just throw this Charlotte game away and be like, that's an outlier. It doesn't apply. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, like, you're you're absolutely right, though. I mean, he, he was he was brutal. Um, and, so you know, it, it was and, – and it was funny because it was like – it wasn't – you know, and Brad kind of hinted at this. It wasn't an effort problem. It was just like where he was putting the effort in, like he's, you know, like the, the areas where he <clears throat> where he like, you know, w- what he tried really hard to do was not the correct thing, like really at any point. Like he just right. he was always out of position, like you said, um, you know, those those the blocks look really nice because he gets up so high, but they take him out of position. I mean, the guy just needs to not jump and just slide his feet and just kind of, you know, study this, this six or seven minutes of, of Poirier. And I know we'll get to him in a little bit, but. Um, you know, study what he did and like Rob has such better tools than Vincent Poirier. Um, so he should be able to do all the things that Poirier is doing much, much better. Um, but he's got to learn how to do them all. And look, I mean, anybody who's played basketball, you like, you can, you can come into the game, you can go through your layup lines, you can go into the huddle, your coach can tell you, you know, okay, listen, here's the exact game plan. And if you're super keyed up and you're super nervous and you're just like really thinking about like, okay, I gotta make a good impression, I gotta make a good impression, it is super easy for all that stuff to go out the window immediately. And I would not be at all surprised if that's what happened to Rob. Uh, now, that being said, it, you know, you can only make excuses for a guy for so long and, and he needs to prove something during, during this preseason, but, I think that it's very fair to just say, listen, like throw the first game out the window, like let him get his, his, his legs under him a little bit. Um, you know, let's see what happens in game two. Let's see how he, how he plays against Orlando. I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's the right way to, to look at it. That being said, you also probably need to have a contingency plan in case <laughs> Orlando and then Cleveland, he looks pretty much exactly the same. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the way I put it was, it's dragging something from your desktop into the trash, but not emptying the trash just yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll empty that later when I know that I'm good. Um, and I'm not good yet with, with Rob. Why don't I do this? Let's take a break. I'm, I, a thought popped into my head that I want to explore. I want to flesh this out with you. Uh, 
and it has to do with Taco Fall and how it relates to Robert Williams. Take a break right here. Come back with more on that on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics. Your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So Taco Fall has been everywhere. He's the sensation. He's the guy. A year ago, Robert Williams was the sensation. He was the guy. He was the Time Lord. He was kind of like similarly the sideshow-ish guy with his was more the freakish talent, like the freakish physical ability, but he had that kind of goofiness, that... That, you know, miss the plane, forget your wallet, all that stuff. Now, now Taco Fall is, is that guy. And I, this thought popped into my head and I just guessing. I wonder if there's any kind of like Rob thinking like, wait a minute. Um, everybody should be chanting for me. Like I remember coming into the game and getting the applause and now everybody's chanting, we want Taco. And when Taco checked in, people were going nuts. Nobody was going nuts for like Rob caught the the alley oop to start the game, and that was nice. But like there was, I don't know. I I might just completely be making this up, but I just wonder if there's a thing in his head that's like, well, why he went out and played so poorly is because he got caught up in the. I need to get some highlights out here because I need to get the like I'm I'm playing to the crowd rather than playing the game. I'm playing to the crowd. Um, maybe I you know it's you know you never want to read too much into people's reactions. This on the absolutely bench. can just be a complete reach. I'm fully aware that this <laughs> is, this could be a very big reach on my part. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I mean, Rob is a, you know, he, he seems like he's honestly like, despite all of his, you know, like his kind of, I don't not antics, but despite all, all the things that he that he, you know, the the immaturity that he showed last year, he he seems like he's got a pretty good you know, head on his shoulders in terms of just like not being that type of guy, um, just like from my interactions with him. Um, but that being said, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, he's definitely not the sensation anymore, but it's almost a, it's, it's almost way better to not be the sensation because I mean, you know, the thing about taco and it is that, you know, he's not going to be in right away and Brad isn't going to put him in, in the first quarter, even though the fans are chanting for him. And, you know, he's like, it's kind of uncomfortable really because he's sort of the sideshow and people are really cheering for the sideshow. And last year, you know, Rob to a certain extent was the sideshow and now Rob is in, you know, the, the, he's now he's the main, one of the main attractions. Like he started, he's, he's expected to perform now. He's expected to really have a major role on this team. And I mean, to me, that would be better than, you know, being the guy that everybody cheered for just because you came in because like these guys aren't dumb at all. You know, they know that like, and I mean, I, I think Brad kind of hinted at this too. Like they know how uncomfortable this must be for taco to an extent. And he, he would sure. never say it, but like t- to be this guy who, you know, like he's not being cheered before his basketball skill. He's just being cheered because like people like, it's almost like an ironic thing, you know, like, and I, mm-hmm. and that, that, that almost to me is one of the uncomfortable things about all, about all the, the taco fall stuff. Um, Rob isn't that guy anymore. Now Rob is, is a guy who's expected to contribute and, and who's expected to play. And that, to me, that would be just super preferable. Um, and I, you know, I can't speak for him, but it, it is, it, it would be interesting to know what he thinks about all that. Yeah. It, again, it's, it's probably a reach, but, and the reason why I reached like that was because it, the thought popped into my head that Rob was really trying to make highlight plays throughout the whole game. Yeah. He was going for he was going for the, the the big home run play, and he's certainly physically capable of that. But he needs to lay the foundation of fundamentals and the sliding, the positioning, the the play that I highlighted where uh, I forget who it was that he let get by him on the right, but he was just dropping and pick and roll coverage, and he was kind of standing up a little too tall. His arms weren't really fully out. He wasn't really wide. The, the ball went right past him to a guy that literally a half second ago just passed him on his right. And, and he reacted like he didn't even realize that guy was there. Like he wasn't focused. And in yeah. summer league, we saw him focused. Like he was trying to make fundamental plays. And as the week went on, he got better and was doing things better. So for some reason, the focus wasn't there. And that's, that's kind of why I reached, but that's, yeah. Um, I'm willing to throw that out. We'll, we'll see if the kid gets his head on straight. Comes in Orlando is going to be a, a good test because they get a lot of big guys. And yeah, they so do. that that's going to be, I think, a, a good test. Yeah, and I think the only thing that I would say to that is if you go back to his um, to his college career, like he survived on those highlight plays when you when you watch him back then. Like he didn't, he was never fundamental. It's just that like in college he could get away with a lot of the sure. stuff that he does now because you know the paint is more clogged for one thing, and you know it's it's just a uh, it's just easier to get by on your freakish athleticism. Um, and so that was one of the things people always said was like he's going to need to develop these things in the NBA. So that to me kind of goes back to what you know 
if, if you come into a game and you're nervous and you're trying to show yourself, you definitely might fall back on your bad habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. to, to me, that's probably more likely just because it, that was kind of how he always played. He chased blocks. He tried to, you know, send the thing into the 15th row and, um, you know, was often successful in college and he's occasionally successful in the NBA, but NBA players are much, much smarter than college players and know how to take advantage of a guy who's committed like that. So, well, you're probably right, but I like my theory better. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, no, that's it's canon. It, it's canon now. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. That, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, let's briefly touch on Ennis Cantor only briefly because I feel like kind of, he just was Ennis Cantor. Like there's nothing, yeah. nothing that really stood out. Like he's just not going to be able to defend much in space. He'll do okay. Like just if somebody's trying to back him down, he'll do okay. He's he's a strong guy, but he is. Um, a, a guy trying to drive on him in space, he he's going to give up. He's going to give up ground. Um, and he could benefit from some from some positioning too. And maybe the Celtics coaching can get him to like just turn his hips just a little bit so he's not giving up a wraparound layup he's kind yeah. of driving a guy like I, i'm not i'm not asking for too much but there was a play that i highlighted where the guard just went right by him like okay fine it's hard to keep up with him but then he opened up his hips and just let the guard keep going around for the the wraparound layup and i was like that that that, that just can't you got to at least Take one more slide, just one more, and try to get the guy to, like, turn back around and bring the ball back around. Like, I'm not asking for a full stop, but just a little tiny, tiny bit more of a deterrent. But that's yeah. that, that's Cantor, right? Yep. I, my favorite uh, Cantor play, I tweeted it out. Um, it's it, But I didn't tweet out the whole play, which was almost too bad because it was actually really funny. There were, like, seven seconds left in the first half, and Terry Rozier took an inbound. And I have never seen a man more casual about bringing the ball up with seven seconds left than Rozier was. And I was like, why isn't he going? Why isn't he going? Guy comes out, sets the pick and roll, lob pass with like with one second left. It's just an alley-oop <laughs> dunk. And like because the Celtics pick and roll defense just broke down so hard. And it was it was just it was Cantor and Kemba. And it was really funny because, I mean, Terry could not have been more confident with seven seconds left that he was going to be able to create that bucket because he was just loafing up the court. Very casual pick and roll, big dunk. And it was uh, kind of the Ennis Cancer pick and roll experience. But I also thought, to his credit, I mean, you sort of see why people keep trying him because his offense is really good. Like he does so much like like in terms of like offensive rebounding, like he is always in there. He's always got a shot at it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he's, he's amazing at positioning himself for that, which is kind of strange because it's, you know, he's so good at positioning himself for offensive rebounds, but he can't position himself defensively. Um, and he, he is really good in the post and he, you know, he does sort of have a lot that he can bring to the table offensively. I just, I just think that's, you know, you hear so much about how bad he is on the defensive end that that then you see him offensively and you're like, oh, now I understand why he's hung around the NBA for so long, even though, you know, he, he really does struggle on one end of the floor. Yeah. So it's uh, he is who he is. And I think he it's going to be interesting to see whether he ends up being the starter because and I want to bring in the caveat because. Uh, this is only about five and a half minutes of Vincent Poirier, 
But damn it, <laughs> if it wasn't five and a half minutes of good fundamental defense, like the the few plays that he had on the defensive end where he was fully engaged in the play, he slid his feet, he cut off driving angles, he had his hands up, he it was a form of rim protection simply by not letting guys get to the rim. The play where Grant Williams came over and two-hand blocked Cody Zeller was set up by the fact that yep. Poirier slid, forced Zeller to turn into the lane, slid again. Zeller was off balance, and it just really let Grant come in and just swallow up the whole play. That was good, fundamental basketball that – I really wish I'd seen more of it because I I want to I want now I want to know how real it is. And again, going back to the Orlando thing, some good bigs against uh, in Orlando. I want to if he can do this same thing against the Orlando Magic. Now you start to wonder, like, okay, maybe he's the guy that should be starting. He's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, you you mentioned his defense, and he, and he looked significantly better than than the other guys who the Celtics threw out there. Um, he's bigger than Tice, who we didn't see, um, and who's who is good defensively. You know, Tice. It, the problem is that he can't deal with Embiid. Um, he can't even come close to dealing with Embiid because um, he's just too small. But you know, Poire. I, I mean, I think it's interesting that we've seen Poire just like splashing three pointers in practice. You know, mm-hmm. like they're they're trying to space him out to the three point line and. You know, that would make a big difference. And he I mean, I think the very first play of the game, he came in and just, you know, on on the one end, I don't remember if he got the rebound or not, but you just saw him sprint the floor to the offensive end. And that was what he did in Europe. And, and you know, guys learned to look for him on those like full court sprints where he just like, you know, just motors ahead. And every once in a while, that's going to create a layup or a dunk on the yeah. other end. Like that's valuable stuff like and I think the other thing to remember with Poire, if he proves to be a, you know, even like a C plus defender where the rest of the Celtics big defenders are all in the D's, like if he's a C plus defender, the Celtics do not need him to be basically anything offensively aside from like a good screener. Right. And he said, he said a lot of really good screens. They have enough offense. Like they can get buckets, tons of different lineups that can just score, 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 score. They need to be able to defend. And, if he can do that, yeah, I don't think it's crazy at all to think that he might be able to uh, to, to be a starter and to, to play a major role. Well, it kind of goes back to when I was making the argument for Grant Williams as a starter. Um, yeah. The reasoning was they need a guy in that starting lineup who doesn't give a shit about his offense that's going to go do exactly. the dirty work, or as he likes to say, the dirty job. Uh, <laughs> that, it, it, I mean, same rationale, different player. Like, if they if they want to go in and start uh, both Jalen and Gordon with Kemba and, and Tatum, well then maybe Poirier is the guy that is doing the dirty work, sets the picks, catches the lob every once in a while, crashes the boards, and then plays solid defense on the other end. And then Cantor comes in with Marcus Smart, runs pick and rolls, and they just have an offensive-minded kind of second unit, you know, bring in Carson Edwards who lit it up, and then kind of go in that route. Like, that that could be something that works. And, and maybe Grant on the second unit kind of helps – with the, because his intelligence, uh, with his intelligence, he can help like 
guide that defense in the second unit with Cantor and just being communicative. Like maybe that, maybe that's the answer. Uh, and we go with the plan that I've laid out with Robert Williams just going to Maine and figuring out all of those habits and building those habits in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's all fair. I, I am curious. I mean, Grant is so strong, but he is not tall, man. He's not. He's, he's not. like really, he's not a tall, but not a tall individual. He's, he is strong and he is smart. And, you know, there, there will be lineups where the height, that's just going to be a problem. And if, if he becomes a big part of the Celtics rotation and they play Philly, then he, it's going to be real interesting to see how he does. Uh, and again, Orlando's a big team. So we're going to get a, a test of how, a little preview. Do, yeah. You know, like how do you handle that excessive height? So, uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. And so one preseason game, one, you know, we bring up these possibilities because the thoughts pop into our head after the next preseason game, different thoughts can pop into our head, but at least the, now the, huh, I wonder if Poirier could be a, a starter. Like there is now some, at least the beginnings of evidence that can back you up in, in, in at least having that thought. So, well, you want a fun, uh, you want a, a quick, uh, fun with stats here? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so Ennis Cantor's defensive rating in uh, the first preseason game, yeah, according to NBA.com slash stats, which is you know pretty good, sure, eighty-eight point nine. Oh, so like the best defensive player in the world. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let that marinate. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, let's take a break. Uh, we're gonna come back. I'm gonna yell at Terry Rozier. Uh, stick around <laughs> for that uh, next on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Tom, that that play you described earlier, <laughs> do you, yeah, do you know what I'm going to say about that play? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that it has something to do with the fact that Terry Rozier completed a lob pass, an awesome alley oop, perfectly on target. <laughs> Where the hell was that? Like early in the game. He drove, he passed up an open three. He drove and kicked it out to a guy waiting in the corner. This dude had nine assists. He connected on an, a perfect alley-oop. Where the hell was this last year? This was the Terry Rozier that we needed last year. Yeah. I, I, I... <laughs> I mean, honestly, man, I'm going to let you take this rant because no, all like, I have uh, all I have queued up for Rozier is a really fun is a really funny Terry Rozier quote. So uh, yeah, you, uh, no, I, you do I your just, thing. You're because you, when we were talking before this show, you were mad about I'm, it. I am heated about this <laughs> because last year Terry Rozier couldn't wrap his head around playing the right way, making the right pass, making the right play. Now again. Same caveat as before. It's one preseason game. You, you, you said it before with Robert Williams. You tend to fall on, on old habits sometimes. So we know that Terry Rozier is 
potentially going to go back to being Terry Rozier. But still, nine assists, and afterwards saying that that's what they're, well, that's what coach needed, that's what coach asked asked for. Well, I'll tell you what, Brad Stevens didn't ask for pull up threes with 18 seconds on the shot clock. That's not what Brad Stevens asked for. Brad Stevens asked for the same exact damn plays that he you are making in this game. It shouldn't take getting twenty million dollars to make those plays. If you had made those plays, you might you maybe you would have gotten twenty five. So it's just maybe infuriating. Maybe. <laughs> infuriating. Consider this. Consider this. Maybe if James Borrego was coaching the Celtics last season, Kyrie Irving would still be on the team. Oh, really makes you think. How about that? <laughs> Flip that. Flipping that. So clearly, the entire point of this rant is that Borrego, <laughs> uh, greater than symbol Brad Stevens. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. You're you're 100 right about all that. Um. Like all all of that is true. I I I, I just want to bring up my favorite. Well, like not my favorite Terry Rozier quote, but it's it's in the top uh, it's like in the, the top all, ten for of me. all time. It's in my top ten of Rozier quotes, and let, Rozier drops some gems. So to have a, uh, to have a top ten quote is pretty good. He's one um, of those guys that we're gonna miss, like quote wise, yes, for sure, yes, for absolutely. Sure. And you know, another guy with edge. Um, so somebody asked him, "How have you tried to establish yourself as a leader?" And I always do kind of think that the leader thing is a little <laughs> overblown. It's like <laughs> sometimes, like all right. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 like, sometimes, you know, a guy is a leader, isn't a leader. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know how good of a leader James Harden is, but, man, that guy can hoop. Like, it doesn't really right. matter. And, like, you know, like, like Kyrie Irving wasn't a great leader, and, man, he can hoop. But also, like, Kemba seems to be a leader from everything everybody said, and he also can hoop. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's kind of overblown. One way or the other, uh, Terry's response, and I love it because he started off trying to talk, you know, connect with guys – and like he's like trying to give the answer, and then he like like that everybody wants, and then he sort of like is like I don't have all the answers. I ain't the best leader. I know that. I'm just trying to keep learning and keep growing, man. And like, <laughs> I, don't, I ain't the best leader. I ain't the best leader. Like <laughs> that's oh man, you know it's for, just the, the perfect Rozier quote. He like it's a perfect Rozier quote because on the one hand you're like, well maybe you should try to be a leader, but on the other hand you're like. Man, I really respect a yeah. guy who just kind of knows who he is. Like That's he's it. like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a leader. Like you know, hopefully people don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, um, that was that that was an excellent, an excellent Terry Rozier quote. Uh, it reminds me of like this Bill Burr moment where Bill Burr was like. Um, like he said something awful and the crowd started to applaud and, and he's like, no, 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 don't follow me. I don't read. Like, <laughs> kind of... uh, yeah, yeah. Very similar to that. Very similar to yeah. that. Uh, although I'm sure, I'm sure that the, uh, the Hornets after having committed about $60 million to him would like to hear something other than I ain't a good leader. <laughs> Yeah, like yep. <laughs> respect for the honesty, but I'm sure Michael Jordan's like, say what now? <laughs> you, I mean, th- this is the great thing about being reporters, though, is that we don't have to care about that stuff. We just get to like no. enjoy the great quotes. The qu- the great quotes are, you know, they are our lifeblood. They sustain us uh, on they these really on these impending cold winter nights. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that's a fun place to end the podcast. Uh, Stick around for a lot more, a lot more coming up this week. We're daily, we're free, so give us that subscription. Read our stuff on MassLive.com slash Celtics. The basketball is back, and we've got, like, a ton of content, like, a ton of content. 
And so check us out because basically everything you want covered is covered. Uh, and, uh, you know, it also helps us out, you know, keeping our jobs and such. So please go read that stuff. Subscribe to the show. Five-star rating, a good written review also helps out a tremendous deal. So do that. Share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.